Gentle Thief, a work of fiction written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Inspired by true events. In this episode one, we will meet Sophie Brownlee in the beginning of her career as a lawyer. We will see her get her first case, the case involving the death of a young woman, the case that will lead to the end of her career as a lawyer. And now episode one of A Gentle Thief. The best day of her brief life as a lawyer was the day when she saw her newly printed business cards for the first time. They were cream-colored, slightly rough to the touch, recycled paper. Printed on them in gold traditional lettering was her name, Sophie Brownlee, attorney at law. Breathtaking. Below her name and title was the name of the law firm that had hired her six months out of law school. The firm's name was in slightly smaller but bolder lettering, as if to announce that, no matter the words above it, this was the important bit of information. Day, Openshaw, and Weiss. Sophie wondered how many cards they had printed for her. How many did the small box with a single card affixed to the front face contain? Five hundred? A thousand? Enough, she thought. Sophie stood just inside the ten-foot-tall, dark oak door that opened into her small office. The office manager had just handed her the new box, then continued down the hall toward far more urgent things and people. On her way out, she clicked past the new gold plaque on the wall to the right of Sophie's office that read simply, Ms. Brownlee. Her first official day at Day Openshaw was January 4th, 2004. Sophie arrived at her office as a full-fledged lawyer on a cold morning, at least cold for Las Vegas. Before the sun comes up in the desert, it's often in the 40s in the winter months, sometimes in the 30s, cold enough to make the women in tiny tops walking back to their hotels wish they had brought a sweater. This morning it was 27 degrees. That was cold even by Sophie's standards, groomed for the elements as she was by the snowy winters of her hometown of Salt Lake City, Utah. Sophie was trying not to look like a student and succeeding, if only barely. Her stature helped her. She was tall, 5'10", with long arms still toned from years of competitive swimming. She looked vaguely like a coach when she wore pantsuits, which may be why she favored skirts. Sophie was approachable in her appearance and her manner, which may not have been an asset in her new profession. She had met the woman who would be her secretary the week before Christmas on her third visit. Her secretary. That phrase was almost as dreamlike as attorney at law. She could not picture herself having a secretary. Sophie still pictured all secretaries looking like Lily Tomlin in the movie 9 to 5. Sophie, this is Rosie. The office manager had introduced them. Rosie was in her late 40s, maybe early 50s, with thick, dark brown hair cut in a bob. She was short, not just compared to Sophie, but in general. 5'4 with heels, but sh she never wore heels. Oh, hello, Rosie. This is all so exciting. Sophie bit back her embarrassment and made a mental note to lose the 10-year-old enthusiasm. 
Rosie looked straight at her, resisting the urge to roll her eyes. She felt an instant dislike for this new associate. She didn't like the size 10 skirt and the unscuffed pumps. She didn't like young lawyers at all, especially females. She didn't like the blonde hair with the obvious roots. She didn't like the Amazon thing either. How tall was this girl? Six feet? She wanted her old boss back. The lawyer she had been assigned to up until a few months before was her favorite of the seven lawyers she'd work for at Day Openshaw. Her first was a soft, close-to-retiring construction lawyer. Her second was his son, who only lasted a brief time. Then there were a succession of oil and gas lawyers, one divorce lawyer, never again, and then her favorite. He was such a statesman, a gentleman, and a gentle man. He would take the time to ask about her sister, how she spent a holiday, whether she was getting over her cold. He was organized and kept regular hours. She appreciated that. But he had been a savings and loan attorney during the boom of the 70s, and even though he tried to keep his banking and real estate clients intact, his practice went the way of the failed savings institutions. In more recent years, he did work for the other partners, work they offered begrudgingly, until they stopped consulting him on anything and began moving him from office to office until there were no smaller offices in which to relocate him. And now there was Sophie Brownlee, Sounded like a pop star. Lovely Rosie Meter made da 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 da. Sophie was singing the Beatles song nervously and not well. That's Rita. I'm Rosie. Rosie said with little patience. This one is not like the other lawyers I've worked for. She thought. Your office will be here, two doors down from my cubicle. Rosie explained, over-enunciating the word cubicle. I prefer taking your dictation on tapes, if it's all the same to you, and I like to leave by 5.30. I also like to enter your time at the end of each week. If you get behind on your time, it can be almost impossible to recreate all those hours weeks after the fact. Memory is not to be trusted. Sophie was nodding attentively, fighting back the urge to take notes. I also do work for Rick, and seeing as he's the senior partner, you will not be my first priority. Rosie punctuated this last bit of information with a long pause, expecting to intimidate her new young charge, or at least put her in her place. No, I, I don't think I'll be my first priority either. Sophie laughed rather loudly, Rosie thought. There had not been a great deal of laughter in the law firm in the 20-plus years Rosie had been there. The sound of it seemed to echo along the long hallways that were filled with paintings of golf courses, all of them local and some part of the recent building boom, plus a few older renderings of Fremont Street and architectural drawings of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Sophie bit off her laugh and looked down the hall. She expected white shirts to peek out from tall doors and shush her like a librarian, but they did not. She swallowed and said, I'm sorry, I suppose I've got a little getting used to to do. Yes, Rosie said slowly and walked back to her station, leaving Sophie alone in the hallway. Sophie stood erect, holding her new light brown leather briefcase, a present from her sister-in-law, feeling a trickle of sweat drip down her back. Great. Another suit she'll have to have dry cleaned after a single wearing. Then she walked into her office for the first time.
It was barren, except for the few paper clips and other miscellaneous supplies left in the top drawer by the previous occupant. Who was the previous occupant, she wondered. Was it a he or a she? Sophie bet it was a he, and wondered if he had been fired or moved on to bigger and better things. Or maybe he ran screaming back to UNLV for another advanced degree in something less threatening. She ran her fingers over the phone, the computer keyboard, and the credenza underneath the big window. She gazed at the luxury condo and resort hotel still under construction across the way. So, I'll be seeing you tonight, then, Rick Day asked with a smirk from her doorway. The senior partner was the one who had hired her, and from the reception she'd received from the other lawyers, she thought perhaps his choice had not been unanimous. Oh, yes, you're kind to invite us. Sophie was nervous about the company Christmas party. She didn't really feel like she had earned a seafood buffet at the Bellagio Hotel, considering she hadn't actually done any work yet. But Rick had insisted. She was to come, meet the other lawyers and their spouses, mostly wives since there was only one other female lawyer in the firm, and bring her husband. Did you meet Rosie? Rick asked with one raised eyebrow. Oh, yes, she seems great, Sophie said with her typical inappropriate enthusiasm. So you didn't meet Rosie, Rick smirked. I'm not sure she's thrilled about being assigned to me, Sophie demurred. She ought to be thrilled to have a job, Rick barked as if he hoped someone walking down the hall from the break room would overhear him. I'm sure we're going to get along just fine, Sophie replied quickly and meant it. I'm looking forward to seeing her tonight and getting a chance to get to know her. Oh, Rick coughed. Rosie won't be there tonight. The party is for lawyers only. Sophie's eyes narrowed, and two small lines appeared above her nose. Rick took a swig of his Diet Coke. See you at seven, he said, not waiting for her to reply, then turned and sauntered back to his office. By January 4th, the following week, her first official day at the law firm... Sophie had forgotten all of the names she was supposed to remember, except for Rick and Rosie and Tom. Those were with her, but she kept confusing the oil and gas lawyers at the end of the hall, and the one young blonde guy who did corporate law with the young dark-haired guy who did... She couldn't remember. One was Steve and one was Bruce. And the feisty one with the curly hair at the end of the hall was Paul or Peter. He was the dreadful one who had a charming wife. "'Come see me when you've got a minute.' Tom Weiss stood briefly inside her doorway, then tapped the doorframe twice as he continued down the hall, not waiting for an answer. Be right there, she responded happily. Oh, her first assignment. She was hungry for some real work, worried that they expected her to magically produce her own clients her first week at the firm. An hour later, she was humming along, reading and typing, coming up for air to slurp coffee every minute or so when she heard Rick saunter coming down the hall. "'Ms. Brownlee?' he smiled from her doorway. "'Hey there, Rick.' She was almost starting to feel like one of the guys. "'How'd you like the buffet the other night?' "'Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. We both really enjoyed it.' "'I like Sean. He seems good for you.' "'Yes, he is.' She wasn't at all sure what he meant by that. "'How much older than you is he, anyway?' Rick asked, laughing as he did. "'Not as old as you.' Sophie smirked, already getting the feeling that sparring would be their way. Come by my office when you have a minute, 
he directed as he kept walking down the hall, greeting junior lawyers, seeing who was in their offices, observing their work demeanor, surveying his kingdom. Sophie saved the summary she had been working on for Tom as soon as Rick left her office, gathered her legal pad and pen, took a sip of cold coffee, and stood up from her desk. She didn't want to seem overly anxious, but she didn't want to keep the senior partner waiting either. Deep in her own thoughts, as she reached the doorway, she didn't realize Rick had doubled back to her office. She almost ran smack into him. Whoa, Brownlee, what's the fire? We don't run in this office, of course, unless I say so. <laughs> he laughed, partly at himself and partly at the startled look on Sophie's face as he continued past the secretary's station and conference rooms back to his own office. Rick Day's office was filled with things, mounted fish of various colors, dark wood boxes with glass lids revealing large pens, pictures of his wife and six children, a large desk that wanted to be neat but wasn't, two studded maroon leather chairs seated in front of the desk. She was glad to see there was no golf club leaning against the wall opposite a little fake putting green. Take a seat, Brownlee, he directed. She sat, then fought the urge to make conversation. I've got a good one for you right off the bat. Just came in this morning, and I thought, this'll get her feet wet. Here. And with that, he dropped a large, expandable file on her side of the desk. She took it and began to open it when he interrupted. Read and summarize and let me know what you think in the morning. Rick picked up his phone and asked Rosie to place a call for him. Cupping the phone, he added, that's not a problem, is it, Brownlee? Oh, no, uh, of course not. Tom Weiss had said he didn't need his read and summarize done until Friday, so she could drop what she was doing and get right on Rick's. She was mentally juggling as she walked out of Rick's office and saw Rosie smiling. She smiled back. Rosie stopped smiling. Hey, how's the big first day? Sean sounded like a sports bar. Oh, it's overwhelming. And good. It's good, I think. Sophie sighed. How is your day going? She looked at her watch for the first time in hours. 6.30! How could it be 6.30? I'm just about done here. Do you want to grab something, or, or should I cook? Oh, honey, Rick gave me a case to read and summarize by tomorrow, and I haven't even opened it yet. I'm so sorry. I had no idea it was this late. Would you mind just cooking some chicken or something, and I'll get a start on this case and be home in an hour? She pleaded. Sure, but you're not going to make a habit out of this, are you? He teased in that many a truthful thing is said in jest way. I know the first year at a new firm can mean long hours, but we've been planning to spend more time together since you graduated, remember? And you know it's all about precedent. If you set a precedent for working until 10 o'clock, then that's what they'll expect. So let them know right up front that 10 hours a day is all they get. Sean was good at fixing things. I know, honey, I know. And no, I won't make a habit out of this. I promise. Sophie said with no conviction and felt a little tightness in her chest. I'll be home in an hour, okay? Okay, see you then. He didn't sound too disappointed. Good. I love you, Sophie cooed. It was the chorus of her conversations with her husband. I love you too, he harmonized back, thinking nothing of it. Okay, Sophie thought. I'll just open this file and get an idea of what's going on, and then I'll take it home with a fresh legal pad and make some notes tonight. If I can at least read through it and get a general outline, I can get in at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning and finish it up before Rick gets here. 
Sophie had been smart enough to ask Rosie what time Rick got to the office to make sure she beat him there. After me, of course, Rosie had snorted, then more softly, usually around 8 or 8.30. Sophie opened the expandable file and pulled out a stack of disorganized papers. There were lots of letters, some typed in very small, uneven print, like they came from an old typewriter. Who used those anymore? There were expert reports and pictures, such a hodgepodge of documents. What was this all about? She began perusing the pictures. They were of a young woman with long, straight, blonde hair. She almost looked like one of those 20-something types you'd see in a documentary about the Haight-Ashbury days of San Francisco. She was wearing a peasant blouse and a long, light blue denim skirt with boots. She was smiling into the camera. The next picture showed her with a cap and gown on, again smiling, but awkwardly. Was that a high school or a college graduation picture? There were pictures of her in an Elizabethan outfit, a wreath of flowers on her head, a corset, standing next to men dressed in period clothes. Hmm. There were pictures of a cat. Her cat, Sophie assumed. There were pictures of her as a young girl, maybe 12, standing next to a man, both dressed in orange hunting clothes, holding rifles. There was a wedding picture of a young woman and a man who looked 20 years her senior. The wedding party was small, no bridesmaids or groomsmen, just her and the guy from the hunting picture and a woman next to the groom who might have been her mother-in-law. Sophie kept turning over the pages with the pictures taped to them. She felt like she was eavesdropping on someone's family photo album. What could possibly be the legal question here? Then she turned the page. <gasps> oh, dear God, she gasped, clutching at her chest with her right hand. She stared in disbelief, unable to look away, until she bolted through her door, down the hall, toward the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> 